Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, January 3rd, and today is National Drinking Straw Day. So get a straw and suck it up. It is also National Chocolate-Covered Cherries Day, and it's also something to have to do with getting extra sleep day-to-day, but I forget exactly what that was because I slept on that. But nonetheless, thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can find all of our social media platforms right up there in that top right corner. Just scan that little QR code and you can find us everywhere we are. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us via Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, we're going to pay a quick bill and we're going to get right back to the news. When you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sa H-O-P to see why our Terps don't lie. The Terps never lie, Jason. My Terps don't lie. That is so, so true. So, so true. But up first, everybody, I would like to introduce the longest continuously operating retailer in the game. Always smoking on the best weed in the world, but he's also, but he's also known in various parts of the world, the different iterations of white Gucci. His Gucci is white, <laughs> but his bandana is red. Come to the stage first. <laughs> <laughs> Man, legend himself, the ivory to my ebony, my photo negative, Mr. Jason. What do you have us on for us on this beautiful Tuesday morning? Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone is getting a fresh start to their week. Because I'll tell you what, the L.A. traffic was definitely back in full effect today. It's, it is a work day again for the rest of the world. But today, my story. Oh, hold on. I do have one other important thing to mention that is unrelated to this news story. So first of all, I do want to mention that there was a number of raids on the Internet last night. There was a number of pages that were taken down on Instagram, including my own personal one. I know Koala Puffs was taken down. I've seen a few others. So. 
if you can go to my personal Twitter and we are encouraging Elon Musk to purchase Instagram so that we can have some free cannabis speech on Instagram. Cause after all it is called Instagram. Okay. Well, that's enough for my rant. I'm going to go back right into the story. So where my headline is today, recreational cannabis is now legal in Missouri. And here's how to talk to your kids about it. And this is, they, they list some points, so we're going to keep on going with this. With the passing of Amendment 3 in November, parents in Missouri now have a new conversation to navigate adult-use cannabis. That's right, marijuana use. As, some, as, as someone who works in alcohol and drug addiction, this is uh, from the, the author, I've seen firsthand the impacts of substance use disorder in our communities, particularly on young people. Talking about drugs and alcohol with your kids is never fun, but it's truly one of the most important conversations you can have. As we head toward a new reality in Missouri, one where adult use cannabis will become part of our community's fabric. It's time for you to develop your family's narrative on cannabis. <laughs> I hope to prepare families for what's to come. Lots of flashy advertisements about cannabis scattered around the city, endless news stories, the development of dispensaries in our neighborhoods, and more and more young people attempting to access cannabis as if they weren't trying already. Um, parents, it's up to you to help equip your child with the knowledge they need to... For, with conversations early and often to pave the way to helping your child understand the dangers and risks of cannabis use. And then they list, list a few topic points. I think there's about five or seven of these. So we're going to just go right on into these. They say, one, talking about, your cannab talking about cannabis doesn't mean your child will use it. Many parents I know are worried that having the conversation will cause their child to become more curious about cannabis and want to try it. However, Pretending that cannabis doesn't exist will only create secrets. Open, honest conversations about cannabis will give them the tools and knowledge to make informed, confident decisions. In fact, um, research suggests that having conversations with your kids about the risks of drugs and alcohol actually cuts their chance of future misuse in half, they say. All right. Number two. Be honest and approachable. Talk to your child or teen about the new legalization laws and what the future holds for Missouri. You don't need to hold a serious formal family meeting to discuss cannabis. You can simply share the details on adult use cannabis use and potential risks as it comes up in your daily routines. Maybe it's a TV show where a character is smoking a blunt or a song that alludes to being high. Use these moments as an opportunity to start the conversation with your child in an organic way, encouraging them to share what they know and answer any questions they may have. Three, share information on the dangers of adult use cannabis. Depending on your child's age, you can share further details on why cannabis poses plenty of risks to young adults. Provide information on the development and maturity of the brain and perhaps share a few details on how cannabis negatively impacts teens, like problems with memory and learning, difficulty paying attention, and challenges at school. What are challenges at school are they Number four, make an exit plan together with the legalization 
of adult use cannabis in Missouri. Make youth in your communities will find opportunities to access weed and it will it will likely become more prevalent at high school parties and social gatherings. Talk with your teen about an exit plan in the event that they are offered marijuana. Preparing them for this scenario is a great way to establish clear boundaries and set rules on your own expectations for their behavior. And number five, remind your child that just because adult use cannabis is legal, it doesn't mean it's safe. I mean, I think that's kind of contradictory personally, since since uh, that's what they market as clean, safe cannabis. So um, I think that's but whatever. Studies are showing that many teens underestimate the risks associated with the cannabis use. Talk with your child about the inherent risks of marijuana use um, in young people and be clear that using cannabis as a child or teen can permanently alter their brain. And discuss cannabis advertising. As dispensaries in Missouri begin to open, we will begin to see a lot of advertising. When you come across billboards and advertisements about marijuana, use it as an opportunity to talk with your child about how marketing can impact a person's opinion. One study found that more cannabis ad, that found that more cannabis ads that a teen sees, the more likely they are to take a positive view of cannabis and try it. Present your child with the facts and risks of cannabis use and encourage them to do their own research if they're curious. Well, that's the that's the six topics. I know we have some parents up here on the stage, so I really want to hear what they have to say about all the, these six suggestions. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all have to say? You know, Jason, I think you hit the nail on the head right there, man. You're saying, like, they made something legal, but they're telling people that it ain't safe. On the same fucking is, isn't that very hypocritical because the, the whole thing is clean safe cannabis and make sure that you're going into a legal store to ensure that you're getting clean safe product but like what does that makes that's crazy I'm all, I'm all about the education i'm all about the education like side of it but you know you're, you're trying to sneak in some some reefer madness propaganda some old school propaganda um uh, right in the same fucking sentence like you, you killed your credibility right there right the the biggest killer of credibility is that the boomers are the ones that are like promulgating all the legislation and all these rules. And they were the ones getting high back in the seventies, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hypocritical BS nonsense. going. And they're, on. The, and they're the ones that needed the most. Like they're, they, yep. they're on a bunch of opioids, a bunch of prescription pills because none of them are smoking weed anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not only that, like they were getting, they were legit getting high since middle school and they're like worried about you know their kids smoking weed and it's like come on like you know this is this is just this is just like a, a function of our society now at this point it's like been for the last 50 years maybe longer but i mean really mainstream in the last 50 years so uh you know it's just like it, this is this is all nonsense you know like we want to like pose ourselves as parents as like being like you know, like we're we're cautious, we're we're careful. It's like there's so much worse stuff that our kids are being exposed to. It's just crazy. But I will say, you know, Rico has brought this up many times before. It's like, you know, you gotta be smart. Parents just have to be smart, and you have to, like Jason, you were saying, you know, you have to have the conversation, you have to have the the discourse in your family about this. Yes, show. 
I like how they how they said it's not something that you need to like bring everyone to the table for a big family meeting, but you can just have a casual conversation with your kids. <laughs> and and I did like the part of like with using uh, uh songs or signs on the road as a good opening to have that conversation with a child. But we do have two people up from the audience currently. We have Brennan, who is actually in Missouri currently and has something to say about this. What do you have to say on this, Brennan? Hey, you know, I, uh, just to keep it relevant on the topic of the you know, parental concern, um, you know, I've, I've been a cannabis advocate <clears throat> the entire time I've been a parent. Uh, my, my son grows with me, you know, helps me trim my flower. So maybe I'm a little biased on that. Um, but speaking of bias, the gal that wrote this article uh, works for Prevent, or she's the executive director for Prevent Ed, which was formerly known as the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Abuse. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously some bias. Um, and obviously, like you said, plenty of old school reefer madness built into the philosophy behind the article. Exactly. I think anything, I think that Missouri Independent is just trying to get some SEO to try to get an article out there. Uh, cause they haven't had anything. They haven't written anything good about cannabis in a while. That's my personal opinion from the Missouri side. <laughs> Very um, interesting. But, uh, but yeah, you know, as far as the Missouri politics are concerned, it makes sense why this would be an article that would be released in Missouri. We have, you know, we were, we, the amendment was passed by majority, the most liberal parts of the state. Um, we are by majority, a conservative state with, uh, like most conservative states, uh, liberal pockets around um, the city centers. Mm -hmm. um, and it did, the amendment did get some, some, uh, some traction in a lot of the rural areas, uh, you know, speaking a lot to the veteran community. Um, but by and large, uh, part of the, 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 the conversation here in Missouri isn't really about uh, kids having access. It's more about everybody's more just focused on the industry and how to, it's like part of the industry is celebrating because now they've got adult use licenses. And then part of the industry is um, pretty much battering the hatches because uh, this has been set up in a way that um, is bottlenecked and only gives a corporate advantage to the people that were already in the game. So one of the things I was going to give a just a perspective on was just the, the political scheme schema and, Missouri right now. Uh, Amendment three did just pass. Um, it did pass by like, I think it was like 58% or something, but um, there was a lot of speak back. Uh, there was a lot of concern. Um, I got a lot of, I was in the press a lot speaking um, about my concerns with the amendment because uh, one of the way that it was built for. You guys um, had a lot of action going on around that during election season. Hell yeah. yeah. That was a big yeah. fight. We were covering that, that whole yeah. little, little, uh, whole little internal fight that Missourians were battling on the ground. Seriously. And I kept myself directly in the middle of the line of fire because um, I'm the state director for minorities for medical marijuana. I know y'all talk to Roz a lot. And Shout so, out. and we have Nicole Buffong on with us too today. Shout out, hey, what up, Nicole? Hey. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, things are in Missouri and we appreciate him. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. So appreciate it's been a mixed vibe here because one of the things that we are looking forward to, though, even though the micro license program, uh, one of the things they offered us was a really bent and broken micro license program. I won't tangent about that. But one of the things that we've been given an opportunity for is uh, municipal control uh, for things like cannabis tourism, uh, you know, uh, consumption lounges, tour buses, uh, catering permits and stuff like that. So 
I've been working, you know, directly with city organizers to make sure that we get the most out of the amendment uh, that we can. So uh, it's going to be uh, quite the party in Missouri here soon. Excellent. Sounds like it's already been a party and you guys are keeping it rolling. Yes. Thank you so much. We also have Steven up in the audience. What do you have to say on this, Steven? I know you got kids. I always hear him in the background. Yeah, as a as a as a fellow Canada dad, you know, I mean, things have mellowed out here in California as far as cannabis and our children go. And, you know, education is key, of course, you know, but I mean, rather rather my kid you know, uh, see me out back smoking a joint and getting along with my friends than drinking a beer and beating my friends up, you know? So uh, <laughs> I think the kids uh, learn very well from uh, the way their parents act and uh, act towards things. And uh, it's a brave new world out there in, in Missouri and uh, big props to you guys. Um, a lot of, a lot of minds have been opened out there and it's really cool to see it bleed through the United States. You know, California has been doing it for decades and decades and, you know, I have never seen a child that's been raised around cannabis, uh, turn out real freaking dirty, freaking rotten. So, you know, yeah. um, and Lord knows, you know, I mean, like, uh, you said earlier, Jason, I mean, and everybody said, I mean, come on, these, all these people were smoking, uh, weed in college and doing much more nefarious drugs in college. I mean, come on, they were all in college in the seventies. We're not stupid. Mm -hmm. So, uh, get over yourselves and let's get this done. You know, it, it's high time we, we stop this drug war, period. Uh, it's high time we stop feeding people in freaking prison and in jail for uh, consumption of anything. It's our own free will and our right to treat ourselves medically. And, uh, you know, I do appreciate uh, Missouri as still holding on to their medical man. That shit's important. You know, um, uh, we can't lose sight of where we came from. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Stephen. Appreciate your guys' comments on that. Well, any, there's any, one, there's one last thing. It's like it's like you know there's there's such a there's just such a duplicitous kind of nature to our laws and and just the thinking in this country. In Illinois, they just uh, they just said that for a, like a list of crimes, like crazy, like second degree murder, like all that, like bail is gonna just be erased. Like they're not even gonna do a bail thing. Like you're just like gonna get out of like holding unless you know, whatever, for some reason, they're going to keep you in there. So it's like, if we're reducing the sentences and we're, if we're taking away, like, you know, the, um, like the bail hearings and stuff for some of these crimes, yet we're still holding cannabis in this draconian category that's saying that if you're smoking weed, if you're using cannabis, if you're growing cannabis, which that's the most ridiculous thing, right? It's a plant. Like it, yeah. it'll grow literally anywhere. So and if, in most cases, it's it is growing like indigenous in a lot of these places. Wild, it's hemp. It's not like a lot of high THC varieties, but it's still like this is just this is crazy. So, so you know, we need to like a we need to like a lobotomy. America needs a lobotomy. You know, quick. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Nothing like a good needle to the eye. Oh man, it just sounds so painful. It just sounds so painful, so painful. I, I just wish they, uh, I just wish they had. I wish these prohibitionists had the same energy about um, Catholics and children as they do yep. about cannabis and children. I'm right? Just, oh oh man! Shots fired. Get it, get it, Nicole. That's yeah. that's why I'm 100 with you on that, Nicole. I was raised Catholic, so I can speak on it. 
Oh, get it, get it. I think you should talk a little more on that. Me too, me too. Mm-hmm. Go, go yeah. with it. Go with you it. Got anything else on that? Ooh, no, that's it. Rest in peace. Rest in peace to Benedict. Oh man! Every time I look oh. at him, I see a demon. I told my mom that yesterday. He he looks like if you look in his eyes, they look very demonish in there. So you think he's part he of the grill? Like looks like a Sith Lord. Yeah, exactly. He's part of the lizard people. I'm ill of the dead. I'm just saying that you know okay. he was all he right. was at the front. He was leading the church when all of this scandal came out. Um, and he yep. he didn't do anything about it. So you're tired. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, they, they they have a lot of internal work that they need to do. Um, but, oh, dark side. Yeah. But nonetheless, we're going to keep it moving so we don't go any down any wormholes today. But coming up next, it is the dope dad himself. That's right. The the wormhole orchestrator. That's right. When he's not when he's not digging with shovels. Picking up dirt, digging wormholes. You can find him changing diapers or just having a sing-along session with his daughter where he may hold the mic or she may hold the mic because she's old enough to do that now. That's right. But I'll tell you what, when he's at a TEDx convention, he's the only one holding the mic because he's the one delivering the speech. That's right. Babysitting grown-ass adults and making sure that they're, they can change their own diapers once they hit a certain age. That's right, as the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. Big ups, everybody. Uh, happy New Year once again. I'm going to say that shit all week long. Appreciate the intro, Jason. And my story today is from CNN by Jen Christensen uh, Sandy and Sandy Lamott. Number of young children who accidentally ate cannabis edibles jumped 1,375% in five years, a study finds. So um, today, my headline today is about kids, cannabis, and poisoning. So I want to first let everyone know that they should contact poison control right away if you suspect poisoning is actually happening. All right, so help is available online with webpoisoncontrol.com or also by calling 1-800-222-1222. Could new data from National Poison Data System showing a major uptick in small children ingesting cannabis edibles lead to major changes in the industry? The NPDS is a central repository for data from America's poison centers. A recent analyst um, uh, analysis of their internal data revealed over the past five years, the number of young children exposed to cannabis through accidentally eating an edible rose 1,375%. Back in 2017, they were 207 reported cases of accidental edible cannabis exposure among kids under the age of six. By 2021, that number jumped to 3,054, leading to over uh, 7,040 cases reported in that time frame. On the surface, it seemed natural with loosening of cannabis laws nationwide, you'd see an increase in cases. But according to the report, in 2020 alone, accidental child exposure accounted for Tuesday in the journal Pediatrics, and his co-author, Dr. Antonia uh, Nemechias, said that the spike is multifactorial. There's a particular spike during the pandemic years when children um, were at home more often with increased legalization, more products are available. I think all of that plays into this, and the regulations haven't kept pace with the increased prevalence of the product. 
I'm all about safety when it comes to consumption as a parent. And uh, I have a toddler in the house, you know, and, um, and I'll be the first one to say that parents are responsible for what their kids ingest, whether they've broken into your poorly hidden Kiva stash or, or popped an open fresh bottle of Drano under your unlocked kitchen sink. The buck stops with us. It's every parent's worst nightmare to be in a situation like this, and I don't want to make light of it at all. Knowing these products are out there in the marketplace legally and illegally, proper education is needed on the adult end to make sure that we're all on the same page about what to do and what not to do should the unthinkable occur. But in this story, a story blaming everything from trap edibles with knockoff Dorito packaging, familiar cartoon characters in bright colors, to advancements in uh, manufacturing processes, making it hard to actually taste weed in legal dispensary cookies and brownies. I was more concerned with what wasn't being addressed, America's addiction to junk food, and the parents who pass said addictions onto their kids. In America, we love attacking symptoms all day long while ignoring the root cause. But we also know treatments are more profitable than cures. All these crazy stories about kids eating edibles and getting sick make me cringe. But before legalization picked up steam, child obesity was already an issue we refused to tackle. Why? Because 70%, roughly two of every three American adults, are also overweight or obese. Could a lifestyle change, opting to model healthier eating habits in front of our babies cur help curb later urges to binge on what they thought was just daddy's secret Oreo stash? I don't know. I think pop parents continue to ignore or change the subject whenever uh, the edible issue pops up. That's a problem. A problem easily remedied with what we do every day here, what we did with the first story that Jason had today. It starts with dialogue. Uh, but I think mainstream news media outlets profiting off their endless attacks on societal symptoms that have gone unchecked for decades while not only having the resources to dig deeper into the causes, but actively ignoring the cures while advertising poison over commercial breaks in between these Save the Children bullshit segments. That is evil. And it's what keeps us in the same generational cycles of crisis as citizens and consumers um, and it keeps the media executives, keeps their pockets lined. And I'll continue to do my part, keeping my daughter safe. And I pray the rest of, of the parents in the room do the same with theirs. Um, but not just keeping kids out of our weed stashes, but also making sure they're aware of the propaganda pumped out daily everywhere from Nickelodeon and Nabisco to CNN. And education is key and the clues are everywhere. Follow that motherfucking money. I'm Rico Lamit, Doba's Dead on the Street. I had nine news. I want to hear the rest of the room has to say about this one. Yeah, snap them fingers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been talking about this forever. The diet, our, our American diet is killing us. If it's FDA approved, I don't want it. Hey, you know what? It's interesting you say that, Nicole, because uh, the FDA is doing a lot of backpedaling today because they released a Alzheimer's uh, drug just on the market. And they are and and even the company that had it, it was saying that that it's not it's not safe for people to take and they rush this drug. So the, there's a lot of shit going on with the FDA that right, is so, so, super, super. Follow safe. the money. Who, who yeah, funds but, the FDA? Yeah. Who funds so the I actually, CDC? Yeah, I actually dug into that one last year uh, on a similar story on the FDA and the Alzheimer drug. There's been eight approved Alzheimer drugs. None of them, not one of them has shown any promise or any effect in any positive outcome. Why were they all, 
Why were they all approved? Because of big money. Fucking money. Big, big money. money pushing, 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 my, pushing. My HIV antiretroviral treatment costs $2,500 a month. $2,500. Mm-hmm. Wow. That they say, as long as I take it, I can live a long time, 60 years. When I asked them, what is the long-term effects of taking this kind of drug? Do you know what they told me? Oh, there is none. <laughs> but the drug has only been on the market for two years. Mm-hmm. So guess who their guinea pig is going to be? The person who's got to use the drug to stay alive. Nope, mm-hmm. I refuse. I'm with you on that. I'm with yeah. you on it, that. It, and, and, I, and I know we, I know we have to toe the line when it comes to like the, the packaging and all that bullshit. But do you think, as, as, as a parent, as about sugar, forever? As, as a parent, do you think that all of these restrictive? Um, restrictive packaging requirements and advertising actually do anything to prevent uh, children actually accessing cannabis? Not from accessing it, no. I mean, no, I mean, not. it's absolutely it's not. Like the real question is: Are are we so far gone? Have they have they infiltrated our psych like our psychology so much um, that like they can trigger us? you know, with, with all these things that are just sub, like they're subconscious to us at this point. And that's, yeah. I think that's the, the reason why we have to toe that line is because yeah, like they, like other companies, other, you know, corporations have already exploited the, the sequins, the colors, the, the characters, you know, to influence our children, to influence our shopping habits. So, you know, it's like, it's kind of a catch 22 at this point, you know, it's like, we already know what we're, what we're, um, you know, easily drawn to as just like consumers and that, and like, I think there's a book by some guy named Ken Yarrow and Ken Yarrow explains the psychology of consumerism. And it's, uh, it's pretty disturbing because we're just, you know, we're just computers. And so someone can figure out how to crack the code and, you know, feed us all the shit. And, um, it's it's tough to say, but honestly, it's just it's so intertwined with our society uh, now that like getting away from this is just going to be almost impossible. So, if, is it preventing? What's that, Nicole? So, if they were so concerned, um, truly concerned about the health and safety of children, that they would be putting the same restrictions on packaging that they do with cannabis on opioids, on Skittles. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, opioids on don't have. Different dyes used. Fruit Loops, yeah. sugar is the yeah. That is the truth. Absolutely, Nicole. They should be doing the same thing with all of these, you know, toxic, toxic lethal. Yes. 100%. 100%. Can I tell you why they don't? Is because those industries have real lobbying dollars going into them. <laughs> yep. General Mills and Publix. yeah, exactly. And, but also on top of that, you know, like, are we ever going to change that system? No. They have money. That's because they have money, Rico. They could fight it and they could fight it on the hill. You know, they got yep. they're gonna they're gonna go and, and wine dine Matthew Gates. <laughs> and they, 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 they and they can spend the money in news media outlets to spin the story and the narrative. And, narrative. Then, and, and then you know what? Somebody else is gonna get rich off of a treatment uh to that, and then we're gonna be right back in the same fucking cycle. Mm-hmm. 100%. Oh man, definitely without a doubt. Burn that shit without down. a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, this, you know, these, these stories, you know, I, I do hope I, I don't have children, um, but you guys, two of you guys, Nicole, you don't have kids, do you? Um, absolutely not. Um, okay. but, but I think that like growing up, 
we, my dad, when we went to birthday parties at McDonald's, we had to order the French fries with no salt. We had to order the fish filet. We could only drink Sprite. So mm -hmm. it, it is all about the parents and what you allow your to. We didn't have Kool-Aid in my house growing up. It, it was banned. We only had Kool-Aid. <laughs> it depends on what house I went, if there was Kool-Aid or not. Put extra sugar in that motherfucker. We would have to go to our friend's house and buy Kool-Aid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody in my family got diabetes. Everybody got fucking cancer. Um, like everybody's all fucked up. But that's what we're just like. We're, we're advertising. You think it's yeah. normal. Yeah. So just, basically, so basically, we're 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 on agreement that food is just basically planned obsolescence for humans. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. At this point, yes. That's why you got pretty much process food. Yeah, process pretty food. much. And when people, when I tell people I'm plant-based for my health, I, I'm plant-based so I can stay out of the hospital. They're like, oh, I couldn't go out without my meat. I couldn't go without mm -hmm. my dairy. And my response to them is if your life depended on it, you would you would. choose Would you choose chemotherapy or that piece of steak? Well, mm -hmm. that piece of steak that you're getting from a cattle feedlot is basically like undergoing chemo, you know, at this point. It's like you're just putting toxic shit in your body, you know, and that's you know that's again just accessibility and price and all these different factors that go into it and not to mention it's like you know our farm our farming in this country is a lot of it subsidized um you know by our government and a lot of it goes to other countries you know so it's like not even a lot of that stuff is even staying here so it's like if people just started you know, well, look, we, we're going to get into like geopolitics and that's Jason's territory. So we're not going to talk on it. That's a different thing. You, know, you know, like I'm always down for that. Go with it, man. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, that's it's just it's like it almost feels like a big scam. You know, it feels like a, a big scam on on us as, as citizens. And, uh, you know, it's like. They, they keep putting up the fight as a distraction, you know, for all these other things like cannabis and all this other crap. So, you know, the real fight, the real fight is lays ahead, people. And it's just like they don't want us to smoke weed to expand our minds and to com and to congregate as a community and start fighting this shit. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Some dad. Yeah, I get it. What's up? Zozo? All right. <laughs> Oh hey, yeah, Zoe. I love the shades. Good, bro. Yeah. First day back tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. Yes. Zoe and Daddy are matching. I love it. You gave uh, this. this great. You gave Daddy the special ones, girl. You gave Daddy one with the butterfly on them. Exactly. That's that's a bow. That's a bow, Simone. That's not a but, butterfly. Y'all thought that you, the game might have done it first with the butterfly tattoo on his face. But I got right. the butterfly shade. <laughs> Our next correspondent does it all. She's a uh, she's a patient, plant medicine advocate, and founder. Magic, when not handling business, Roz McCarthy's right hand on the left coast for M4MM. She's Power 88 Las Vegas's Encyclopedia Wednesday mornings, and has been an outspoken supporter of Purple Lives Matter initiatives all throughout 2022, and she's gonna be doing it through 2023 as well. Come to the stage next. It is Nicole Buffon. <laughs> thank you so much, Rico, for that lovely introduction. And Zoe, thank you, um, gorgeous. Okay, so today my story is um, about social equity rules prove the remedy for this, this Denver dispensary. I love to hear these stories. So um, Green Remedy opened in the Virginia Vale neighborhood on November 21st. The family enterprise is owned by longtime Denver entrepreneur Curtis Washington with his son, Jordan Brooks, overseeing the daily operations. Although Washington, 
Although Washington had leased one of his properties to a dispensary years ago, he'd never participated in Colorado's cannabis industry, but Jordan had. Washington finally applied for a Denver dispensary license after some coaxing from his son and admits he's even learned a thing or two about the plant since they opened the business. The experienced businessman has also shown Denver's cannabis space something new, opening Green Remedy in the same building as his recently acquired liquor store. Although they're right next to each other and under the same roof, the dispensary and liquor store have different addresses. The unique distinction has already helped lure in customers, and the combo seems particularly smart when you're facing after-work errands during the rush hour. In the article, Washington says, sounds like a one-stop shop, and it turned out to be so, he laughs. I might have done the same concept if it were a laundromat, but it turns out that the liquor store being there really worked out. We've been open there since November 21st, and we're already seeing more traffic in the liquor store from the dispensary since the dispensary opened. I had to demonstrate with some people at the city that we could be under the same building with a separate address and two units because it's the same as a strip mall. They have separate entrances and exits. I don't want to sound like I don't have humility, but I was told by many people with experience in this business that I couldn't do a liquor store and dispensary under the same roof. The interviewer then asked Mr. Washington, did you have any worries about opening a new dispensary given the current market climate of legal cannabis? He says, I did, especially during the first four or five days. I was wondering what the hell had I done? But I'd gone through the tunnel and now that I'm in, the only way out is the other way. And now that I'm out, oh boy. But we've done some marketing since and liquor store customers, word of mouth and aggressive prices moved us forward. We can own from here, zero customers and things have gotten better. What's working with your son been like, he says. Well, he's taught me some things about cannabis. He's more motivated than he's ever been in his life. If I'd known that, I'd have opened a dispensary 10 years ago and he's stepped up to this opportunity. It's been great. <clears throat> the interviewer asked Mr. Washington, what do you wanna get out of this venture? He says, we expect to be able to make a profit and give back to the community in a measurable way. We also intend to create more stores and create a legacy that my heirs can have the option to continuing or not. These are the kind of success stories that we like to hear when it comes to um, social equity applicants opening up their dispensaries. Um, we know that this is in Denver and the market in Denver is kind of fallen, but I'm grateful that this father and son team um, have found a niche. Even though I don't drink alcohol anymore, <laughs> Um, the fact that they put uh, the dispensary under the same roof as the liquor store is a market is a uh, business plan that works for them. And so I'm grateful. I'm glad to see this type of family business developing. Um, he is a serial entrepreneur. And so I hope only success for Mr. Washington and Mr. Brooks um, as they um, engage on their first year in business with the brick and mortar dispensary in Denver, Colorado. So when you go to Denver, please visit Green Remedy. I know I will be when I go to Denver this year. This is Nicole Buffon reporting for our Hyatt 9 News. Love to hear what my correspondents think about this story. Oh, man, Nicole. I mean, you know, Colorado being the, the first state to uh, legalize adult use sales, but yet they're pretty much the last state to initiate any type of social equity program. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it is it is it better late than never or is it just, is it too late altogether? 
I mean, I well, think I think it's too late altogether just because of the, the the way that the market is and there's already a big downturn going on in Colorado. Well, I yeah. also I also consider the fact that there are not that many social equity licenses in Colorado. I know that for somebody of person of color like myself, when I go to these different states, legal states, I'm looking for the black owned dispensaries. I'm looking for um, obviously non MSOs in most cases um, to shop mm -hmm. at and support. And, uh, you know, even though it's a short list in most places, um, I, I just, I'm grateful that they had the opportunity and hopefully they, you know, between the liquor store and the dispensary, um, clients, customers, that they're able to kind of keep a balance of keeping the business going um, in, 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 their, in their facility. Yeah, I, I would say it's uh, it's definitely not a waste, definitely not like too late. I also think that like in the future, you know, social equity applicants and license holders will probably be the ones to gain like any kind of uh, subsidy from the government, maybe to stay in business, maybe to expand, whatever. I think they'll I think that'll be, you know, a thing. Um, I think it's great. I'm a Denver native. Um, I've been in the industry since the very beginning in Colorado. You know, the regulations in this industry got broken on our backs. And, um, you know, we, we were able to like kind of, you know, help to set the course and to plan the path out for the rest of the country. So, you know, seeing, seeing that it's still advancing there and things are happening, it is, it feels really good because I definitely uprooted from Denver because of, you know, the, the situation. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we're going to see a lot more States go through what Colorado went through. We're already seeing it in many, many States. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's like a, it's like gonna, gonna spread all over. So, you know, for, for our, our brothers and sisters, you know, of brown and black skin to be up in there and, uh, and, and winning and getting these things, uh, you know, getting their licenses approved and opening up their shops is always a good thing. So more power to them. And, uh, I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear my, my home state and, uh, hometown in the, in the news today. Yeah. Big ups, big ups to Colorado, like finally getting it through and everything, but yeah, like I, I just got to say, man, I am torn like on the whole thing um, is the Colorado model and what happened there. Is it just, you know, exposing what's going to happen everywhere else anyways? Like nobody else is going to have like real social equity, like programming that's going to benefit anybody for like another five, ten years, <laughs> like anywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, I mean, it's tough. With, with, they're, they're both sides of the spectrum, right? It's like one side is this side and the other side is limited license and you know who's owning those licenses. So it's a, uh, it's a really, it, it's a tough, it's a, it's a conundrum. It's a conundrum. Now, a question, question, um, Nicole, with, in, in regards with this story, did they just give them a dispensary license or they are, are they allowed to be a full vertical operation? Um, from the article, uh, the only information I got was that they qualified for social equity for a dispensary, and that's what they opened. Okay, now, now, Simon, don't you think, being from Colorado and watching and seeing the whole development of Colorado, that this is like too little, too late for them to just be a standalone dispensary when you have all these giants that are pretty much vertically integrated that just monsterize Colorado cannabis? Um, I, I, no, I don't think that. I think that that's like, you know, speaking to what their, you know, kind of core business competency is. I think that's exactly where they want to be. You know, it's like they're just reselling liquor that's, you know, you know, bought and sold or whatever. So it's like, here's the here's the thing is like, as the prices get more com com commoditized, it's going to be better to sell the, 
the, the weed because it's going to be, you know, accessible and cheap to buy. And it's the sellers that are going to be kind of like the real, the real key factor here. It's the dispensaries. It's not just the producers because as, as we've seen, um, overproduction leads to an inundation, which leads to prices falling. Right. So if I'm like, if I'm like, uh, you know, a gas station owner, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and, chewing gum just became the craze you know at in the beginning it's going to be really expensive to serve my my clientele that want the chewing gum but now it's easy for me to have a variety for people to come in and buy whatever they want it just depends on what your business model is if you're going to buy like everything under the sun and and try to serve everybody but at the same time is you're kind of creating a niche for yourself is you're creating a a kind of universe where people can come and they like what you sell. They like your style. They like the conversation, whatever. So I think that's really the key is you own the conversation. You own the, the, the communication with the consumer at the brick and mortar. And that's important for sure. You know, um, I, I think. I, I think- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Nicole. Listen, I was just going to say, I think you're onto something there, Saman. I think that um, if they tap into other social equity brands and using other social equity vendors um, and promoting to their community, like this is where you come to find other social equity brands. um, I think that that could be a route that they take, uh, letting their consumers know, like, you know, you're not going to find any MSO brands here, just just localized more social equity brands and kind of playing on that theme. I, I think that that's a way that they could but go. Are, like but are there any, are there any social equity brands in Colorado? I mean, that you would have to have yeah. a, a Colorado cultivation, a Colorado manufacturing in order to have a social equity brand out there. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, I guess like you got to like, unpack the word social equity is it is it minority owned you know is oh, that- no, no. Let's, let's do that because i've done this multiple fucking times oh, here we go <laughs> here we go and from idaho in 1968 came up with that fucking term nobody can agree on what the fucking term is it's a marketing buzzword it is bullshit straight up <laughs> and, and, and if anybody thinks that at this point in the game where we have multiple billion dollar companies and we have like you know like i don't want to I don't want to name names, but you know the company that I talked about like last last week. We already have the two big to fails in the industry. This is like a a, a black or a brown, you know, family coming together, scra- scraping their savings together, and starting to think you're going to be making generational wealth from that shit. We need to be honest about that shit. Exactly. It's, exactly. it's going to be years of pain. It's going to be years of sacrifice. It's going to be years of just losing and losing and losing. While these white motherfuckers just come in here from another industry, take over the shit, they have already built generational wealth in less than a year of their well, operating. They still have not posted a profit. So well, that's, that's what we're up. we need to stop so, calling this shit social equity and I, start talking about reparations. And that's Straight why up. I call it. That's why I call it socialist equity. That's <laughs> why Rico. Rico, you start on with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's why it's so important. That's why it's ever so important to like to lift up and to promote the groups, the Minority and Cannabis Business Alliance, like all these right. things. Right. It's like we need to re- re- really congregate around those ideas. And, you know, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of white people that support that, too. It's not just that. But, you know, what Rico's saying is like, you know, when you got a company that's backed by a billionaire oligarch you know what i mean like right. these are these are things that we know <laughs> society, in this country we know what's going to happen when you're at that they level. have those in, they have those in cannabis <laughs> <laughs> i mean 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I think this this uh th this business missed a real opportunity in their naming. I think this place should have been called the Crossfade, personally. <laughs> you know, but uh, we 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 have we have Stephen up to, for the audience to give a brief comment on this, and then we're gonna we're gonna keep it moving. What do you have to say on this, Stephen? <laughs> oh man, um, so yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I think this this gentleman who. Uh, who has opened a, a dispensary next to a liquor store has found a loophole and congratulations. Um, right. My hat's off to him. That's freaking awesome. Um, and I can't agree more about the social equity. Uh, it is a buzzword. It's bullshit. And anybody who wants to fall for that. It's really, you know, doing themselves a disservice um, and expecting anything because the truth is is that once you've applied for the social equity, generally the, the smaller governments end up eating at least partially of that money up. So, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> but yep. yeah, no, much love you guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I love... The biggest winners is always the... Always the uh the the tax department in every state so you know the biggest but you know i mean something i do agree with 110 percent is that and i was just actually talking to a fellow cultivator about it yesterday you know me as a single grower can only say so much but if us as growers go and say hey to let's say a distribution company we represent the majority of the growers in this area now we're talking some fucking business you know, you but, know what, Stephen, you, know, you just described. Really... You know what you just described, Stephen. That's how government functionality works: is by I mean, trade you, organizations. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta use the system. That, that's how, that's how you're 100 percent right, bro. You know, and but us in the cannabis industry, we're so used to being individualists, and 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 you know, even our society kind of pushes us towards being individualists, but anybody who's really made it freaking anywhere in the world didn't do it alone. Yeah. That's right. And it was like minds that put their minds together and got some shit done. So That's, you know thank thank you so us, much. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for that, Stephen. We got to keep it moving. We got to pay a quick bill and we're gonna get right back to the news. At True Classic OG, we live by one motto. Stay true. We stay true to our legacy cut of true OG that's always fresh, piney, gassy, and delicious. We represent the spirit and hustle and diversity of our great city of angels, and we stay true to the spirit of this plant, doing everything in-house to ensure that you get the highest quality and consistency with every batch. And that's what made us LA's favorite OG. True Classic OG. Stay true, Los Angeles. The thoughts and opinions and shade thrown at the Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker, its followers. And the statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice, and our speakers do not make any representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish a fiduciary relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. If you're an easily offended person... This show is probably not for, for you. Also, too, maybe you should go and try a crossfade. <laughs> 
flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world, then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX, located at 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention you like to get high at 9 for 10% off your full order. Coming up next, we have the man from Colorado. That's right. He is a hydrocarbon specialist, a product formulation formulator. Okay. He is a facility designer and he encourages women experiencing menopause to say hello again. He also, when it comes to hydrocarbon, he also makes some of the most amazing hydrocarbon and then has all the rosin boys thinking it's rosin. It is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Saman Razani. Hello, hello. Thank you for that introduction. That was the best introduction I've ever gotten in my life right there. All right, guys. Uh, this one comes out of Marijuana Moment from Kyle Yeager. GOP Congresswoman, one of our favorites, by the way, files bill to provide federal tax relief for marijuana businesses by amending IRS's 280E code, Nancy Mace, with another heater on the hill. State legal marijuana industry operators would finally be able to take federal tax deductions that are available to any other business under a congressional bill that was filed on Friday, seeking to amend an internal revenue service code known as the 280E code. And if you don't know, it's terrible. And it makes this business a lot harder to operate. The legislation was introduced by Representative Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina, with days left in session in the 117th Congress. While, while the text isn't currently available, its short title is identical to versions of the Small Business Tax Equity Act that were filed in previous sessions. The IRS code that currently in place, 280E, makes it so businesses whose activities consist of trafficking and controlled substances, which with within the meaning of Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 of the Con Controlled Substances Act, cannot make deductions most other businesses can expense from their federal taxes or receive tax credits for, even though they are still obligated to pay taxes like any other business. The hypocrisy is real, people. The provision was enacted in 1982 as a way to prevent drug traffickers from writing expenses off their taxes, but is widely applied today on state licensed marijuana growers, processors, and dispensaries, greatly increasing their effective tax rates as compared to business, other businesses in other industries. Lawmakers in several past sessions have sought to change that and treat state legal marijuana businesses the same as those others uh, I'm, set, I'm sorry, the same as others in, in other traditional markets. Of course, the new 118th Congress starts on Tuesday, so Mesa's bill, as filed, will not be advancing and would need to be reintroduced in the new year. The last version was sponsored by Rep. Earl Blumenauer, Democrat from Oregon, co-chair of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus, and Jason Beck knows him very well. Fixing the unique challenges of the marijuana industry has been a priority of bipartisan lawmakers, many of whom have hoped to see broader cannabis banking reform bill enacted before the end of last year. But while the Secure and Fair Enforcement Safe Banking Act has cleared the House in some 
uh, has cleared the House in some form seven times. It's stalled in the Senate and efforts to attach it to broader legislation during the lame duck proved unsuccessful. Meanwhile, several states like New Jersey and Pennsylvania have taken it upon themselves to provide some level of banking and tax relief for the cannabis industry within their borders. But for, but for the time being, the marijuana industry continues to face tax policy challenges under the umbrella of prohibition. As the Congressional Research Services CRS noted in a 2021 report, the IRS has offered little tax guidance about the application of Section 280E. Go figure. Government's not giving us any answers. The IRS update seems to be responsive to a Treasury Department internal watchdog report that was released in 2020. The department's inspector general for tax administration had criticized the IRS for failing to adequately advise taxpayers in the marijuana industry about compliance with federal tax laws. And it directed the agency to develop a public develop and publicize guidance specific to the marijuana industry. Mace isn't the only member of Congress to file drug reform policy uh, legislation late in the session. For example, rep Matt Gates, rep Republican from Florida, reintroduced the bill last week to promote marijuana research That's that he's filed for the past several sessions. Bipartisan congressional lawmakers also recently filed a measure meant to protect consumer access to Kratom a, and prevent adverse administrative actions against the natural substance, which has been used as an opioid alternative and to mitigate withdrawal symptoms. Okay, well, you know, let's uh, let's dissect this a little bit. I mean, you know, first and foremost, I got to say that, like, you know, the, the biggest challenge to our industry is is not, you know, all the competition or whatever. It's the taxes, and I think everybody can feel that, especially in California. Um, you know, we've been as a community taking on fights to the cities, lowering tax rates. We have, you know, Jason, one of Jason's really. Uh, you know, uh, uh, good friends from the Catalyst, uh, Elliot, you know, he he definitely is one of those people who are fighting to reduce some of these tax burdens so we can actually operate because here's the problem. You're in business, you're spending all this money. The deductions are just part of it, but the tax rates in general are what's crushing our industry. And we need to reform that immediately. And also I'd like to say that, you know, as, as, as good as, you know, advancement is, um, you know, with with our with our politicians, you know, we really need to start these grassroots kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, fights in our own communities and take those and get those voices bigger and then really make changes. So keep on fighting the good fight. Rep Mace, we love you. We appreciate you. But the fight goes on. The fight fight goes on. Come on. I have, I have a question for you. In this bill, is there a specified amount that would be an excise tax that would be put in place on cannabis with the removal of 280E? Um, it doesn't talk about that at all. And that, and there's no there's like no literature or anything we could read from what Nancy Mace has uh, introduced to, to Congress. So we'll have to just wait for that. But that's a pretty good idea, Jason. You I imagine know, I imagine that they that 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 there has to be an excise tax in place. Um, and I imagine it coming from Nancy Mace would be a small, uh, moderate number that would actually make sense because I'm going to tell everyone in cannabis right now, there's absolutely zero chance of removing 280E without some type of excise federal excise tax 
tax being placed on that because any bill that would do that would get a negative score by the CBO. Okay. Because all of a sudden you have all this revenue that's coming into the IRS and then you have a bill that's going to eliminate all of that money and not have anything else. That's going to bring any money into that organization. It well, will be dead on arrival. I think that, I think that there's, it's way more than that, right? It's like once that passes the level of federal legalization, there's going to be a bigger tax here. You know, it's like, that's the, you know, th this is the knife behind the. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, so, you know, the, Dem the Democrats in their CAOA, they had, uh, I believe me, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they had a 15% excise tax and then it scaled up to 25% over the course of five years where then you had Nancy, Nancy Mace that introduced the States Reform Act that I believe called for a 3% or 5% excise tax overall. So I'm hoping that she stuck with the same type of um, same low percentage of federal excise tax. And then that way we can possibly have some interstate trade one day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and not, and not, you know, be, and, you know, not commit other, you know, financial crimes by not or making deductions of a normal business. I know a lot of companies out there, big companies that took normal deductions. And then when the IRS <laughs> bill and, and threatened them, they just hired a, you know, a lawyer a high-powered tax attorney to fight the IRS. Instead of paying their $30 million tax bill, they pay their lawyer a couple million bucks to fight it off until they can come to an agreement and settle with the government. It's really, again, it's, you know, the duplicitous is, the duplicity is real. If you're a big company and you can afford that, that's what you're going to do. If you're a small guy, you're going to be afraid to make that, you know, judgment um, and, and do something that's going to be positive for your business, but what, you know, would create, stress and headaches and whatever so you know and you don't have the can, resources you just don't exactly. have the resources to fight big up to fight the government we can just only hope that this is going to be you know settled to some degree but ultimately you know who knows our, our our governments our government just needs to get their you know get their head out of there you know what well you know what is um doesn't matter if we have a republican or a democratic president um next election I think Nancy Mace is going to be our very first cannabis czar. Yeah, she definitely is our champion. Follow yeah, the fucking money, Coke industry. Follow the money. Winner. All right, <laughs> we are at the we are at the top of the uh, top of the hour, and I want to thank you all out there for tuning in with us for another episode of High Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, nine a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our live audience members and online supporters tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. Our vetted industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and adding your respected opinions to the conversation. And to our production team, the wonderful Jaja Simone, back in action, holding things down every damn day over in Clubhouse. Adam in the background here keeping us and our AV struggles in check. We couldn't pull it all together without y'all. And to the haters into 2023 and I see you out there breaking resolutions already. Just know that we see y'all no different than Brian Russell back in 98. It is the year Jordan and we taking it personal in 2023. Ooh. Finally, Cannabis Sativa L, you are the sacred reason the High 9 News team shows up to read these headlines every damn day. Thank you baby girl thank you so much it is tuesday january 3rd 2023 and the show's over you've been blessed with it today with today's top industry headlines we hope it was enough to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow my name is regal Lamit, the dopest dad on the street signing off and please remember when life gives you guys no place else to turn you can always turn 
the fuck up. Jason. Rico, you forgot you forgot to mention House of Fuego. We gotta thank House of Fuego too. God damn it. House of Fuego. <laughs> we, love we love you too. Yes. Happy first day at work, everybody. Welcome back to the real world. Yes. Happy 2023. It's Happy Michael Jordan's year. Taking yeah, a you gotta dunk this year. Yes. And when you don't dunk, you just otherwise the, you leave the league for a year and just blame it on fucking, you know. <laughs> otherwise, you gotta be a jump man. <laughs> Run that, Adam. Run it. 